Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. And now we're going to get some shoving. Luka Doncic and Devin Booker in the backcourt. Well, while Luka was talking before when they were up, now Devin's getting this opportunity to take it right back to Luka after he misses an easy one to tie this game up. And they're being separated right now by the staff of both the Mavericks and the Suns. They've come out, security staff, separating the two teams. Mainly it was Doncic and Booker. Exactly. Everybody else was just around them watching. But you're right, there's been a lot of jawing. John Bloom, Tim Kempton with the call yesterday here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Mm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Spicy. Spicy. Uh, Devin Booker after the game on what happened with Luka. I'm not here to tell so. The cameras picked up what he said to you. Yeah, I mean, I was talking to the ref. He said something to me the first I responded. You know, you guys say you don't want everybody to be friendly, friendly. There you go. We got, you know, we got we got some smoke. Do you think that traces back to the playoffs last year? Yeah, I mean, it's just two competitors going at it. Um, like I just said, you got everybody speaks on, you know, how friendly the NBA is now and, and don't like that. And, you know, I have no problem with Luka um, on or off the court. But, you know, when we're competing, we're competing. <laughs> That's obviously Brian Wynn. Indoors, you can recognize the voice yeah. in the background asking him the questions about it. Upon replay, time and time again, you could see what was going on. I mean, Booker was clearly speaking to the referee, but he was clearly speaking to the referee about Luca. Right. And Luca, and he, as he was walking towards the ref, he basically was going to cut off Luca while he was doing it. And Luca apparently decided he had heard enough of Booker saying that Luca should have been called for a foul. Luca gets in his face, Book smiles, and the. It, and what it's done, and I don't need to tell you this because I know you've been as involved and as connected with the Suns as I have. I mean, more so because you're an employee, but but for decades, right? Suddenly this Mavs Suns thing, right, feels like a thing now. Feels like a Lakers thing, a yeah. Spurs thing. Maybe not quite there, but you can see, depending on what happens with Luka and the Mavs a couple of years from now, it might get there. I mean, these these two teams and these two players clearly have a thing against each other, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and, and I think what... what people need to remember and really listen closely to is what Book said is like, I got no problem with Luca, like on or off the court. But when when you're playing against Book and most like high level competitors, it's like when the ball goes up, we're not friends. Right. Like we are not friends. Just just to be clear. And Book emulates and has followed the the career path of the late great Kobe Bryant in so many ways and Kobe was the same way Kobe would use any kind of gamesmanship to get under your skin yeah you could call it the smoke you call it whatever you want I sent out a tweet after the game yesterday. My goodness. I mean, I had no idea the the level of sensitivity that, you know, I spent a fair amount of time in Texas. <laughs> and I, I I did not get some friendly responses. <laughs> well, that's and that's and look, and I I know there was some stuff going on, on Twitter yesterday. And I and I don't get all that wrapped up in that. I but I I know that like I got the impression that the vibe sort of was Man, Booker has no right to talk any smack to Luka because Luka beat him last year in the playoffs. He is not. You are there 
therefore not permitted to to get in Luca's face because Luca handed There's it to you last year. There's a statute of limitations to which you can... <laughs> and it's like, can't we just enjoy this? Right. right? I mean, do, do there have to be rules attached to when you're allowed to and when you're not allowed to? Because I'll tell you right now, Booker doesn't give a crap about any rules when it comes to when I'm allowed to talk smack, when I'm not. He... He talked smack with the Raptors mascot, for goodness sakes, right? Right. He once yelled at D'Angelo Russell, who's one of his very best friends in the whole world on the floor, as if he was a bitter enemy. Devin Booker doesn't care that Luka Doncic one-upped him last year in the playoffs. Devin Booker doesn't care about the Luka special. and the, he, He's going to talk trash to anybody, anytime, no matter the circumstance. And Mavs fans, sons, we should all just... Embrace it. That's, that's what I. Is. That's what I said. I was like, I'm here for it. He he wants all the smoke, and that was that was the reply that I got from the majority. They're like, well, he didn't want all the smoke in Game Seven. I'm like, well. How do you know that he didn't? I mean, he wanted the smoke. It's just they weren't up to the task. Yeah, but for very it, good that it, day. It, yeah, it, it's not that he was shying away from the smoke. Um, and yes, we as NBA fans. Should be here for it. Yeah. Sign me up. Yeah. I mean, give me three or four more, you know, games per week like that. It reminds me, honestly, it does remind me of that whole thing we went through about three years ago, four years ago, the incessant, obsessive conversations about Devin Booker and Donovan Mitchell. On and on and on and round and round we went up to two fan bases. Who's better? Who's more valuable? Who's more of the empty stat guy? Who's the this? Who's the that? And it feels like the same thing. Luka is an elite, next-level player who likes to talk a lot of smack when he's out there. Devin Booker is an elite, next-level player who likes to talk a lot of smack. Yeah. So who cares? He's your guy. He's our guy. Let our guys go at it, man. fun. And enjoy the show. Let the kids play in the backyard. It's (laughs) okay. We've got high fences. We've got got a gate around the pool. We're we're okay. Everyone's going to be all right. Let them play. Let them play in the backyard and just see what happens. Um, I love it. I'm Like you said, I'm here for it. I think it's fun. I think it adds a level of spice to the whole conversation. I, I I don't for a second think that Suns Mavs is on the same level as Suns Spurs from 20 years ago, 15 years ago. And I certainly don't think it's Suns Lakers over the history of both of those organizations. Yeah. But I do think if nurtured right and if done correctly. Well, if it, and if it plays out, I mean, if, if we get like, you know, three playoff clashes yes. over the next five years, it absolutely stands a chance of being in that same conversation. Because Luca is, and I know. People feel the same way about Book, and I don't discount those feelings. But Luca plays the role of the heel so well. He's so easy to not like. And I know the same thing exists for Devin, and we're a little, you know, we're a little biased because we love Devin because we're in Phoenix and he's our guy. But I know NBA fans around the country feel the same way about Devin Booker. It's so easy to not like Luca, just like it was so easy to not like. Tim Duncan or Robert, Robert Ory, <laughs> or it was so easy to not like Magic Johnson back in the day, or even the late great Kobe Bryant back in the day. There are certain guys who just make it so easy to want to see them fail and root against them. And when you put two of them on the floor together at the same time, at the peak of their powers, it's popcorn city, baby. Yeah. Who's saying no to that, right? Yeah. The the only thing I would say with Luca and. And I, I feel confident and comfortable in saying this because I'm not the only NBA guy, sports guy, who has said this. It's like, dude, you 
you you spend so much time whining and moaning about every call. Like, I get NBA players, like elite NBA players, there's going to be times where they feel like, man, I should have gotten that call. But with Luka, it, it really does become exhausting. <laughs> and, and that's the feeling with a lot of, like, NBA guys. Like, dude, stop it. You are a generational talent. Yeah. And you just make yourself hard to watch, you know, on a Wednesday and a Friday and a Sunday when we see the same you know, body language and the facial expressions. And oh, by the way, you got to the line 19 times yesterday. <laughs> like, just, you know, give me two trips down the floor where you j- put yourself up off the floor and head back the other way. That's all I'm asking it's for. Just, just, just once or twice a game. Once or twice just a give game. Give it to us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't disagree with you. I, I was shocked on that bunny that he missed at the end that he actually had the, and I'm going to use this word really loosely, the humility. To kind of bow his head in, oh man, I can't believe I missed that. And not, it was the dope. Right. And not to look at the ref like, come on, dude, that's not a foul. Right. Like, I I was, I was actually, I can't believe I'm going to say this, moderately impressed for about 10 seconds with Luca that, oh man, he feels bad he missed the shot. He's not going after a ref. He's not waving his arms. He's not looking at Jason Kidd like he got to review it because it couldn't anyway. He, he was kind of, sort of, for about five seconds, humble, and they get right down Booker's face, <laughs> right. and, just, and Booker's just smiling at him. Did you see the video? I don't remember who took it, but Monty and Kid. I was just getting ready to say, that was the best part. That was the best like, part. Dwayne Rankin, it, it was on his Twitter feed, If you, if you, Dwayne Rankin from the Arizona Public, sitting courtside, and I, I didn't see this until this morning. But it was absolute gold because it does speak to, like, this is today's NBA dust-up. You got Monty and Jay Kidd, who played back in the day mm-hmm. when there were, like, real dust-ups. And Monty and Jay Kidd were kind of leaning into one another. And Monty kind of, like, did, like, a little head motion. Like, he was going <laughs> to... He was mocking it. He wasn't... They weren't oh, having an argument. They no. were just sitting there like, can you believe what we're... Oh, look at this. Look at this. This is today's rough stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Monty kind of does the Luca thing with the head. It was so funny. It was so funny. Um, man, if these two teams meet again in the postseason, we'll get into that in a little bit. If these two teams meet again in the postseason, look out. Win lower level tickets to see Kevin Durant's first home game as a son. Yes, I said lower level. Text KD to 62620. Enter for your chance to win lower level tickets to see the Suns play the Thunder on Wednesday. We'll also throw in two Kevin Durant jerseys because we feel like it. Text KD to 620-620. Yesterday... It was all about the stars. Is that strategy sustainable? We'll talk about that next. K-Ray in for Gambo here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, leave it to uh, Kellen Olson from azsports.com. ArizonaSports.com, pardon me for saying that, to come up with this stat that I, I think we all saw it with our own eyes, but then you put numbers to it. And by the way, I, I, I've said this before, I will say it again. I don't recall in my lifetime covering the Phoenix Suns or being a Phoenix Suns fan if there's ever been a better time to follow the Suns in terms of the media who cover the team, whether it's Kellen, whether it's Dave King, whether it's Gerald Bourget, whether it's Dwayne Rankin. Um, it, the, cover, more. the coverage of the team has yeah. never been better 
better than it is right now. There yeah. are unbelievable avenues in order to get information, insight, and opinion that just didn't exist 10, 15 years ago outside of a really good beat writer, a Paul Coro or a Bob Young or somebody like that. I'd like to thank them. They make my job a lot easier. Oh, it's, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's just so easy to find stuff to talk about with this team because there are, you know, four, five, six, seven people out there who just do such an unbelievable job covering this team. Um, but, you know, like I said, the kind of the big four every day, whether it's Kellen, whether it's Dave King, whether it's Gerald Bourget, whether it's Dwayne Rankin, they just do an incredible job covering this team. This one happens to come from Kellen, who's our very own at ArizonaSports.com, who pointed out that in the second half of yesterday's game, Devin Booker and Kevin Durant scored or assisted on 60 of the 71 points, and that Luka and Kyrie scored or assisted on 56 of the 64 points for the Mavs, which means 116 of the 135 points in the second half were either scored or assisted by one of four players. It felt like it watching that game yesterday. And I don't mean that as a criticism. No. I just mean that that was just the tone and the tenor of that game, which then kind of gave rise to this idea. Is this sustainable for two guys to carry an entire team like that to an NBA championship? That's kind of the broader conversation I think we need to have here for a few minutes. Remember that minute restriction Kevin Durant was on? <laughs> he even joked about it. He's like, yeah, I, I didn't look over at Monty, and he didn't look at me. Like, I'm, I'm playing 40 minutes that to hell or high water. We all end today. Uh, yeah. well, well, but you know what? And that, I felt like the first two games were kind of building towards that we all in today, right? Like, it absolutely was. And and that plus the, the schedule, you know, because they don't play till Wednesday. So, and we got back early yesterday. Yep. So, a chance for early treatment, even like last night, today, get a practice in tomorrow. Yeah. You play on Wednesday, you play on Friday. Um, then we travel again on, on Saturday afternoon. But yeah, and, and back to that point, that's, that's what the playoffs are going to look like. You know, because rotations tighten up, as oh, we know. Oh, and yeah. starters' minutes go up. And Monty had talked about this earlier in the week about ramping Kevin up and, you know, just saying, like, you can't go from 27, 28 minutes back to 22 and believe he can be ready to play, you know, 45 come playoff time. So it, it's slowly ascending. But in talking to Kevin a couple of times during practice when we we're on the road, the knee feels great. It is one of the reasons why, I mean, he, like, had they been close to the playoffs, he could have played like a week earlier. But they wanted to get full conditioning for him and fully comfortable with the knee. But the knee is great. The body feels great. Uh, and like I say, this, this guy's workouts before practice are yeah. are, are legendary. I got to think there was. I got to think too. There was a little bit of, for lack of a better word, manipulation with the schedule. Charlotte as a soft landing was about as soft as they could get. Chicago, decent team, but and I know they've you pointed out that the defense they've been playing since the first of the year. But as far as back to back kind of soft landings, it's it's really. I mean, if, if they had done it for Oklahoma City and then Milwaukee, well, I mean Milwaukee's your second game. That that would have felt like an all in game for Kevin Durant. You probably weren't ready to go that far. So I think they manipulated the schedule very, very well. The, the, the Brian Windhorst, who was there yesterday, and you mentioned in a text, you think he's been basically following the Suns around for the last couple of weeks, yeah. right? Okay. So 
Brandon Winters wrote a story today on ESPN. The Suns and the Mavericks are asking a lot of their stars. And he points out a lot of the stuff that Kellen did about how it was all about the big four yesterday and what they did. This is not, I don't want this conversation to be about Ish necessarily or a Kogi or any of those guys. I want to talk about Chris and DeAndre for a few minutes because it, those are two guys who are also going to get a huge amount of minutes in the playoffs. And with Aiton in particular, it felt like a real odd game yesterday for him. He had the 16 rebounds. He had a huge putback in the fourth quarter that was enormous. He was three for three in the first quarter and then just felt like the invisible man for the next two quarters. And then when they went back to him in the fourth quarter, I feel like maybe a little bit more effort needs to be made to keep DeAndre engaged throughout the game so that when you go back to him in the fourth quarter like that, the the the, the pump is still primed, so to speak, right? Because it did feel almost awkward yesterday trying to get DA back into it. They, they're going to need him and maybe to take more shots than he's taken these last couple of days. Oh, no doubt about it. Um, a, a couple things factored into that. Uh, had five fouls, yeah. so there there was a foul issue. Um, the other, and this is where, and you talked about it earlier, the, the the tweaking will be ongoing because you've got three games now to see how three different teams defend your team differently. And I thought that the the Mavs, because they were without Maxi Kleba yesterday, so playing without a, a true center, and Maxi's not even a, a true center, right? Powell's probably more of a big man than than Kleba is, but he's a I think a, a little better in some situations. Um, but that is where teams are trying to make decisions. Like the Suns had outscored the Mavs early, twenty to four points in a paint. Then they make the adjustment and trying to like seal off the paint from DA because mm-hmm. they were afraid that like you're going to set up drop down passes and then the kickouts and then the shots on the perimeter become you're easier. Wide open, right? So, so their decision was we're going to seal off the paint because we don't want DA to destroy us for you know 25 points in the first half. And put back opportunities. So I think what you're going to see is there will continue to be an evolution with this offense and how, when, and where they get DA the basketball. That's why, you know, I remind fans, because there were a few yesterday talking about it, like you can't overreact after just three games because like the bench rotation, the the evolution of this offense will be ongoing. And the more different teams, different looks they get defensively, the more that they can strategically set up the offense of where they want to position the three guys on the perimeter, the four guys on the perimeter, and DA. And look, I I said this to a couple of people yesterday, that the value of Kevin Durant, as it relates specifically to DeAndre Ayton, can't and shouldn't be looked at specifically through stats. Because I can tell you firsthand, a, a different DeAndre Ayton since the arrival of Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. Like, we've we've seen and known that, you know, Chris has pushed and prodded DA. Book has pushed and prodded DA. Monty and the coaching staff have pushed and prodded DA. For that, you know, for that, ne- that next gear that we know is there. Yeah. And we've seen it at times. Yeah. But DA, as much if not more than anyone, has just been... Uh, Maybe it's not, but just completely infatuated with the arrival of Kevin Durant. Because I think Kevin Durant is playing with the best big man he's ever played with. You think about the bigs that KD has ever played with. Yeah. 
I wouldn't disagree with that. I mean, I, I, unless there's somebody I'm missing. But, I mean, you think about his Oklahoma City, Golden State, Toronto. The, none of them really been defined Brooklyn, by big I mean, men. Yeah. Claxton. I mean, Claxton's a good bit. So, DA now has the focus of Kevin Durant on him saying... My Let's guy, go. yeah. Do you, do you do you really know how good you can be? Yeah. And Da walking into the gym early before a lot of the other guys get there, and KD is wrapping up an an hour and a half workout before they practice. Like this is the little stuff that fans don't see, and maybe this becomes like the final button that pushes DeAndre Aiden. Because I will say this: like he he took that shot to the knee. Against Chicago. And we were all like, oh, man, he, he may not go on Sunday. Yeah. And he said going into the game that he felt fine. But I do believe that he feels a different level of responsibility and accountability to, keep, to be on the floor and not be the reason why yeah. they take a step back. Just, just, just my own yeah. assessment. And when we swing back around to that one, we need to talk a little bit about Chris Paul, too, because he's he's certainly, as far as stars go, um, the adjustment that everyone's making. We'll talk about that a little later on in the show, too, because he was big in the fourth quarter yesterday. We need to talk about that. Text us your thoughts on the Suns and their big win yesterday against the Mavs. You can text us at any point during the show. The FanDuel text line is open for you right now at 620-620. The Cardinals, the roster shakeup has begun and perhaps he might not be done after all we'll explain next on the burns and gambo show burns and gambo arizona sports the local sports leader Kevin Ray is in for Gambo today here on the Burns in Gambo show. The he I was referring to in the tease. Here's Rich Eisen today. Number one rumor I heard at the Combine, not in terms of a lot of yat chatter, but this this one just blew my mind. Tom Brady may not be done after all. Oh, stop it. I, okay, I didn't. Okay, I'm, I'm going to give Mitch credit on this one because this the, 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 that wasn't on the old show sheet there, Mitch. You, right? <laughs> you sprung that one on us, huh? Is Mitch good for the daily the, the daily wild card? Is that is that what? Yeah, he, he he just played it right there. Like, okay, I read because I read the tease and I thought, all right, I'm not totally sure what we're talking about, but I'm sure Mitch has something good in store for us. That's that's what the tease was about. Was about. Yeah, okay, Tom Brady. Well, there's two more cuts there if you want to listen to Oh, them. sure, I'd love to. Uh, here's one <laughs> wait, more. Wait, there's more. Why not? Here's Rich Eisen. A couple people are like, just you, just hang on, just you wait. Well, wait for and I'm like, I'm, 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 for? I'm like, he's Instagramming out videos of his cat. Yeah, you know? trips. Yeah. He was at UFC yeah, over the weekend. I, I know. But it doesn't look like he's getting uh, big, big and fat, does it? And and that he just let, like let it play out. Let's see who wants what. And and the one place that folks are saying keep an eye out for is Miami. One more. Let me just play one more. Just be, if for no other reason, I like the game show music in the background. If the Dolphins cannot somehow, if they get somehow some way, um, a you know a, a doctor's report, a piece of information from a medical evaluation of Tua that he may not be ready to go, and suddenly there's Tom Brady sitting in Florida where his family is located and where he can easily locate himself. Keep an eye on that, I was told by a couple of birdies. 
<laughs> Thoughts? Reaction? Yeah. <laughs> Tom, if it please. makes you feel better, the first thing he brought up was that Philip Rivers would like to play again as well. Oh, well, okay, but Philip Rivers what? isn't a <laughs> Philip Rivers isn't a six-time Super Bowl champ. So, all right, whatever. Uh, well, but, first off, Tom's not going to get big and fat. You don't get big and fat eating avocado ice cream. I mean, I'm assuming he hasn't suddenly changed his diet and he's you know he's eating. Honestly, pastrami sandwiches and pizzas. and <laughs> That was one of the first things, Gambo, when I wondered when he retired, when he sent out that heartfelt message from the beach, right, where where I thought, okay, is his days of eating avocado ice cream, is it done? Does he actually eat ice cream ice cream? Or at the very least, like oat milk ice cream or he almond milk ice now, cream, right? You know? yeah, exactly. I mean, he has a few more cheat days now. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you don't go with the full heavy cream ice cream, Tom, but there are all dairy alternatives out there you could go with your ice cream. It is an avocado. Avocado, if you want to. Um, the, okay, having not been expecting to talk about this, let's talk about this for a couple of minutes. The Tua thing doesn't surprise me at all. Like, there's, I, I read a couple of days ago, like, some real. Are the Dolphins going to pick up his fifth-year option? Because they need to make that decision this offseason now. Are they worried about his health? Are they worried about how far he can take them? About how long he can last on the field because of the concussions and things like that? So that half of this equation, I will very much buy. I'll go, okay, I can see why why Miami might be unsure about Tua. Look, the Dolphins have been linked to Tom Brady one way or another for the last couple of years. It's the reason why they had a draft pick stripped away from him, right? Illegal meetings and doing things they weren't supposed to do um i guess the key is if tom brady is keeping himself in game shape because if he is then maybe it's not so nuts yeah Uh, did everybody watch tom play last year (laughs) i didn't think he was very good and i I didn't think he he was he didn't have a great offensive line he didn't have a great running game no understand all that but even when he had times to throw like there were times he had receivers open in that playoff game Oh, yeah. And he airmailed a number of passes, or he short-armed a number of passes. Look, (laughs) father time is unbeaten. You know, how many times and how many different people need to say it? And here's the other thing that I thought played a factor into into Tom's poor performance last year is we we know the the -the off-the-field stuff, but Tom was always great because of the way he lined up and scheduled his off-season program. Mm-hmm. Like, it was, like, down to the second. Like, okay, I'm taking this week off, and then we're back at it. Or I'm taking this two-week period, and then we are back at it. You're going to tell me two years in a row that you're going to sit idly back and wait for things to, to unfold. We saw what a sporadic training camp did for him last year. Mm-hmm. I, I just and, and I think if you're the Miami Dolphins, look, I get it. I understand the, the, the quarterback dilemma that you were in. But you're doing a disservice to that team and you are setting your franchise back if you're trying to like kick the can down the road and hope you get one good year out of Tom Brady until you can hit the, the quarterback reset button. I just... And, yeah, just don't do this, Tom. Like, don't become a Brett Favre. Don't, don't, don't become this guy that retires. I'm not retiring. I'm waiting to see what everybody else is doing. Like, you know, you got, what, 
23 million a year waiting at Fox. You got a hot Instagram girlfriend in Florida. I mean, <laughs> dude, life is good, dude. Right. right. You're fine. Life is great. <laughs> I, I mean, look, if, if he does it, uh, then I'll be the first to admit that his seemingly sincere, heartfelt video on the beach when he announced his retirement, boy, that felt real. That that felt like like the tr- that that looked like a very brief window into the soul of Tom Brady. Like, okay, that's it. He's done. He's he's walking away. Um, and, and so he would exactly it, it would become farcical. It, it would become like Brett Favre. Like, okay, come on, this is a joke, right? Like, you we're doing this again. You, you're gonna. And so I, I hope he doesn't go there. I hope he doesn't do that. I, I I think in the right circumstances he could still produce a little, but his best days are so far behind him. I'm I'm surprised. I'm surprised that that is a thing, and I wasn't expecting that at all. And that was a real good reaction to it from the Cardinal standpoint. This is. What I thought we were talking about here until <laughs> Mitch hijacked the show. Very well done, by the way. Uh, what I thought we were bringing up was um, not a surprise to anybody. Rodney Hudson is expected to retire, though I do want to read this tweet from Ian Rappaport because the way he phrases it is really interesting, I thought, in that it leaves open the idea that maybe Rodney Hudson's going to play somewhere else. Here's a Rappaport tweeted. The Arizona Cardinals are expected to move on from center Rodney Hudson and wide receiver Robbie Anderson. Hudson had previously reduced his salary to $2 million, which often indicates a retirement. He'll decide his future soon. Meanwhile, Anderson's release saved $12 million against the cap. No surprise by Robbie Anderson. You get a chance to save $12 million with a guy like Robbie Anderson who didn't do anything for you. You're going to take it. Right. The phrasing on Hudson is interesting. Expected to move on from Rodney Hudson. Like, is there a possibility he's going to go place? I mean, clearly his days with the Cardinals are done, and clearly they're going to move on to somebody else. But after you know getting hurt two years ago and barely playing last year, I assumed Rodney Hudson was done done. And maybe there's just, I'm being a nerd about the phrasing and it's not that big of a deal, but interesting that it almost leaves open the possibility that maybe Hudson would play somewhere else. I'd be surprised by that. I'd be very surprised by that. Um, barely so played last year. Right. Right. And I like if you kind of project like what, what team would he fit in? I mean, I, I understand the experience that he brings, but like just considering the amount of snaps that he has had the last couple of years, like what team would you put Rodney Hudson in? Yeah, unless all of a sudden there has you know his, his body has miraculously healed and he, he feels better about the situation. I just don't know where he would be where he would fit in. Seems very unlikely. When we come back on Burns and Gambo, K Ray filling in the Phoenix Suns. Is this what we've seen from the last three games? Is this a precursor to the best offense in the NBA from this moment on? That certainly is one of the top questions that we'll try to address next on Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Kevin Ray, the play-by-play voice of the Phoenix Suns from Valley Sports Arizona, team broadcaster filling in for Gambo today. Gambo will be back tomorrow here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. But uh, our timing is excellent because, obviously, there's just so much conversation about the Suns right now. Three games into Kevin Durant. Uh, Yesterday's thrilling win against Dallas. It just got the whole... 
the whole valley buzzing over what's possible, what could happen, what it looks like. The home opener is coming up. Not the home opener, the home debut, I should say, of Kevin Durant is coming up on Wednesday. Um, I love this story on The Ringer. I think it gives us a lot of chances to talk about not just the Suns, but everything going on in the West. Nine big questions about the remainder of the NBA season. And this is from The Ringer. I think they do a great job covering the NBA. Question number four specifically focused on the Suns. Will the Phoenix Suns have the NBA's best offense from this moment on? And the answer was basically yes. The Suns already make scoring the ball look too easy. With each passing game, they'll only get better and better. It's hard based off of, I get the competition is what it is. It's hard to dispute that after the first three games of this. Yeah, because... You're right, as, as we've even said, that this offense will continue to evolve. And, and speaking specifically of like we touched on with DA, only a handful of touches yesterday, because each team will look at the previous tape and so, okay, we're going to take this away. And then, so now if you're, if you're minding the coaching staff, Kevin Young is kind of the, the offensive guy for them. Okay, now we're going to counter with this. And with each passing game, they'll have more body of work, and you can kind of add another layer to the playbook. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and you've got three guys, two guys specifically, in Booker and Durant, who, beyond just the offense, can create their own offense. And if you know if you're if you're a smart enough player, you find those openings, and those guys will give you the rock. I mean, that's the other thing. Book Book had ten assists yesterday. I know. Like no, nobody's talking about. Nobody's talking that. about that. He had ten assists and one turnover. He yesterday. had seven in the first half against Charlotte, and then Charlotte made the adjustment. And what does Book do? Okay, I'm just going to go and score the ball then. <laughs> so, well, that's and that's look. We said it. It's one thing to say it before it happens because we had three weeks worth of. Con- Content to fill before Kevin Durant made his debut. It's one thing to say it, and it's another thing to see it. Kevin Durant is, in some ways, one of the most unique superstars in the history of the league because of that unselfishness. Because of that, you know, he's not, he's not like a traditional NBA star that requires X number of shots, X number of minutes, right? He, he's very he's very willing to fit in. Devin Booker is very willing to fit in. In that regard, it makes it one of the most unique pairings. It's not like a, it's not like Kyrie and Luka where you're trying to figure out who's going to have the ball, who's going to be in charge, who's the shot caller, who's the decision maker. You don't have to worry about that with the Suns as much, and that's what lends itself to this idea. Now, will it lead to moments where Josh Okogie's going to go 0 for 8 from 3 like he did yesterday? Yeah, because that's, you know, you're going to leave him that open. We're He's going to shoot it. He needs to shoot it. And if he's not going to make it, we'll put somebody else in who will because right. we, we have to do that. But the the willingness to not... Kevin Durant was getting double teamed out the wazoo yesterday, right? And he was just making smart play out of it after smart play out of it. And that's what is required of two guys in that moment. So it, it's one thing to talk about how well this is going to work. But then to see it live, it's, it's working out in some ways even better than I think a lot of us thought it was going to. Oh, yeah. And, and- and, you know, and I said early in the show in segment one, like his own teammates. Now, now, Books has seen it firsthand because playing Team ESA, same with Chris. But but even his t- own teammates are like, man, I forgot the dude is tall and he can pass over any defense. And not only can he pass the, the over the defense, but he knows the right pass to make over or through the defense. And 
with each practice and each game, the guys are going to kind of figure out, you know, where to position themselves and where Kevin likes to operate. And that, that that's the beauty of like Monty says, like, went to, you know, to KD and said, you know, where where's the spots on the floor that you like to vault? Anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Doesn't really matter. Okay. Doesn't really matter. Uh, the other questions, a lot of them have to do with the West. Nine big questions uh, about the remainder of the season. Question number one we talked about earlier in the show. We'll talk about it again. What's going on with John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies? And we, we mentioned earlier that if you were to look at the standings, you would see Memphis only a one-game lead over Sacramento for the two-seed, only a three-game lead over the Suns, you know, who are you know three games back of Memphis right now. Again, running out of time to a certain extent, but if Memphis doesn't have John Morant, that's going to be kind of a big issue. I think one that we need to talk about, now they lost yesterday to the Lakers in the game right after the Suns. Yeah, Golden State, and and that was certainly one of the questions that was asked in this piece. It was question number five, or it was question number six. Are the Golden State Warriors sleeping giants? Let me read this line from this. Um... They are 14 and 12 when Steph Curry does not play. That should terrify everyone. Clay Thompson is making a career best 4.33s per game. That should terrify everyone. Draymond Green is still the best help defender. That should terrify everyone. When those three are on the court, Golden State's assist rate is 75%. That should terrify everyone. They lost last night. Anthony Davis went off. Should we be terrified of the Golden State Warriors? I don't know if terrified is is the operative word, um, but you better have the ro- the requisite respect. They're defending champs. Uh, I think what has puzzled everyone, including this NBA guy, is like, how can you bring back essentially the same team from a year ago? And I know Steph has been in and out of, but be so abysmal on the road. Yeah, and and. What leads any of us to believe that that's suddenly going to go, okay, it'll change come playoff time? Because playoff time becomes even tighter, even harder. Now, I get it. If they are fully healthy, and that, that's been the big if for the Warriors all season long. If they are fully healthy, yes, you you better fully respect the Warriors, and I absolutely do. I do not discount what they are capable of doing, but it, it is just puzzling to me how they can be so supremely effective at home and just so meh on the road. Yeah. And, and I don't know why. It's not like they're playing a or running a different offense when they're on the road. I, I don't know why either. I, I and I'm. I'm there's a little bit of, not I told you so on this one, but I, I had a feeling when they lost Gary Payton Jr. last year that they were going to miss him. Yeah. I didn't think they were going to miss him like this. Now, obviously, they tried to get him back, and, and I'm not sure at what point he's going to be able to come back. I I thought they were going to miss that He was one of those secret ingredients to that team that made them so special last year because that defensive intensity. I, look, I've got to, it feels like we're destined for a Suns Warriors first round matchup. Now, I don't know if that's how it's going to shake out, but that would be, it'd be ratings gold. It would terrify me. 
I, I, you know what? I, w- I will use the word. That would that would be a matchup that would terrify me right. in the first round, just because there's so much pedigree there. There's yeah. so much, well, like, like they're just they are going to be a tough out for whoever has to play them for all of the reasons that we all know. And uh, in a perfect world. The Suns don't play them in the first round. I, I, I would rather not if I were the Suns. And I'll counter that with saying, if you're going to face the Warriors, I'd rather face them early. Fair. Because before they each, settle in. Yeah. 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 Um, one of the other questions, is it too too soon to throw dirt on the L.A. Lakers? Absolutely not, is the answer. It's never too soon to put dirt in the Lakers. They had a nice, That's my response. They had a nice game last night. <laughs> Anthony Davis had 39. Um, man, the West. You, you think about, okay, Golden State, it's, it's crazy. Golden State is 5. Um, the Lakers are 11. They are separated by three games. And there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams separated by three games from the fifth seed to the eleventh seed. Yeah, and here's the thing, and I know we do need to go to break, but uh, Suns fans, uh, just NBA fans, like if your team is in the playoffs, you just need to wrap your head around the the idea that the Suns and four dude, he he's not coming out of the hole this year. Like <laughs> it, it ain't gonna happen. It ain't gonna happen for the Suns. And it ain't going to happen for any other team. Like, buckle up for the NBA playoffs in the Western Conference because it is going to be a ride. I don't care who you face, what round. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, and just like that, it's 4 o'clock. A lot to catch you up on. Some stuff we haven't even talked about yet. We will do it on the 4 o'clock reset next with Kevin Ray in for Gambo.